Hello, listeners. We are picking up from where we left off in our last episode of The Fast 15 with Jeanette Lang. This is part two of an intriguing conversation about the role of self-advocacy in the IDD community and the crossover of special education and personal decision-making in healthcare. Let's dive back into our conversation with Jeanette. Let me ask you this. At what stage would you have wanted Sam to start learning the skills that you know he now needs as he's in his 20s? I th- I think with him, I think he was about 14, okay. 14 or 15. I think before then he really, he used an iPad. He liked to watch a lot of videos on it. So it's all what they're ready for. Like at exactly. that point, he he liked to make videos. Like he didn't, what's, and it's all I wouldn't let my typical 14-year-old go on just things that he wanted to do on the internet. So you have to be able to set your parameters and what do you want him to watch on YouTube? He had no social media. It was 14, he was starting to get interested. 16, he got a phone and it was an iPhone. And from there we had to, you always have to make sure you monitor and see because there's people send you stuff or you go into the wrong website. We've all done it and you don't want anyone right. to just knowing when they're ready for the yes. different tools, the def- different applications and things like that. I think communication and self-advocacy and self-determination, there's so many different ways that you can start teaching those things through functional academics yes. and then introduce those tech tools as they're ready for them. Just typing, just being able yeah, to being able to navigate. use your iPad. Exactly. You, some people aren't very verbal, but there's typed text to talk right. on a phone. So if you have communication issues, just knowing or speech to text, right. if you're not a good typist, then you can do exactly. your draft. So there's technology to help. Then there's more technology, I think, as you become more of an adult. Like he's he during the adult transition really learned to use his calendars on his phone to set reminder apps, to set timers. He learned to navigate the bus system, and he did that through technology because you really can't find a map anywhere. No, no, you, <laughs> right. you can't. You, so you need to be able to access 100%, those things. Yes. Um, you can't, you know, if you need to, you know, if you're setting up Dial-A-Ride or you want to um, access the transportation, you need to be able to use that. And they have all these social networks and people that follow them, and you still have to teach them about safety. And Sam said something to me the other day. He's, do you know what catfishing is? <laughs> I was like catfish and catch a cat. (laughs) And he's, oh, that's when somebody online pretends to be somebody else. So Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about that. that. He's has learned it through practice and through um, embedded his in curriculum in his curriculum. Like this is how you're safe online. Show us how I know my transition portfolio that I will link to in the show notes, but we, I really wanted to cover that. That's the that's the program that I authored and having a section for, okay, how are you safe online? What would you say if you got a text that said this? Would How would you respond? How do you do a password? How do you, a lot of those practical skills that really are a part of the whole transition process? Who, yes. you, who is safe? Who isn't safe? That whole cir- circle of relationships too. So important to know. You were also, so when you're talking about the low tech Sam was coming in to our group with some low tech, some schedules and some different things. Can you describe from his class that that he's currently in some of those some of those tools that he's using? Sure. So I remember when we first started in school, he had a physical calendar because he really needed those reminders to look at. And then as he got better on the computer and learned to use his phone, he lives 
by his iPhone. He started learning to upload apps onto there. I know there's a reminder, there's multiple reminder apps that can, you know, anything you can think of, you can put it on there. He's good with QR codes. He likes to, and that wasn't around originally. He had learned how to take the picture of the QR code. You can order stuff through that. You can look at menus. And so he uses a lot of reminders. He uses his calendar. The other thing we taught him was obviously we put all of his physician doctors in there, his dentist. And so we ever now when we go, I make him make his appointment. Oh, good. Yeah. So he's learning that. So he uses his phone. There's probably so much stuff in there he uses that I don't know. But when he went into ATI, he was basically hand in paper. By the time he left ATI, he was totally utilizing technology like to how to like LinkedIn. Yes. He put on his phone to look for jobs. He's not a TikToker, but he likes Facebook. And so we had to teach him what goes on Facebook and what doesn't. Because one day he put all these people's phone numbers on there that he had written down. Okay. And then I was like, that's that private lesson. information. Right. And he's like, oh my gosh. I'm like, you have to take that off. And that's when we learned about private information. And we're teaching him the Lyft app right now or just to learn how to get around the dial ride. And all that stuff you can put on there. Anything you can think of through your finances, your portal, your patient portal. I had to teach him about his patient portal. How do you get your health information? So lots of reminders, a lot of different apps in there just to help him throughout the day. There's ones for if you're having anxiety, like deep breathing and soft music. There's ones for that basically anything you can think of, there are apps out there to help support people through their day. And I love how he's able to tell a story, right? He's, he is so good. I'm going to, I'm going to link one of his videos in the show notes as well, just because he's so fun to um, watch and listen to and people need to know about Sam, but he's really got the technology and the calendars and all of that down. And I think that does come from a lot of the curriculum that he we use, your trans- we use your transition portfolio. That's what we looked at. I, okay. At the time, I don't think you had written it yet. I think when we first had him, it, you had started writing it and you used some of it, but then you gave us a book and it starts with who am I and my health literacy and a parent can use it or the individual can use it or a caregiver. Like it's not something that you do in a day, right? You could, right. it could take it's, you years well, to finish could, the whole thing. It could thing. be done really a if you're really on it and do a lot of work in it for a concentrated period of time, like maybe you, in a class or something, you could do it in a semester you could. pretty well. But it's really designed for a multi-year approach and to be changed and updated over time. But yeah, starting out with what the big dream is for mm-hmm. life after high school. And that or, all or, goes yeah. into self-determination, does, right? Like yeah. if you don't think about it and talk about it, how can you dream it? I think it's a great curriculum or starting place for a parent, for a caregiver, for a para, for just people to look at. If you're not sure where your kiddo is going to be and you need to start somewhere, it's a great, it is, it's a great place to start because there's lots of things I didn't think of. And there's a lot of great things in there. I know you, you have some photography things for kids that maybe aren't that verbal. Draw me a picture, take a picture, cut it out, like paste it. So it's, you don't have to be all verbal or even know like, you can do parts of it. And as your child bec- develops more and can think more about what their vision is, like right. you can go back to it. And really the whole idea is that the young adult with hopefully not being 
too supportive. If support is needed, absolutely. Somebody can be a scribe or somebody can walk through a parent or caregiver, walk through it. But the idea is it's their voice, what yes. they want. And being able to take that to an adult service agency, to DVR, to DDA, to home environment where they're going to be living. And that's why technology right now is one of the big things that are being looked at right. because you have to look at user end capability. And I know the ARC and the FCC and some other places are looking into how do we make sure everyone has technology? How do we pay for the technology? What is technology? Because that has really changed. What supports our people? And we know during COVID, as people lost their caregivers and couldn't access transportation, a lot of people with disabilities were left behind. They right. really didn't have yeah. the support and a lot of things happened. And through that, some of the, what they learned was the QR codes, the smart homes, Siri for people that are blind, the apps on even your Kindle to read to you. Once they had all these things set up for them, they were they could be independent. Like, but you have to teach it first, right? right. This is your transition. This the is foundational your skills. Foundational skills. You have to. This is why it's so important. You have to teach it. You have to make sure they learn it. They have to practice it, and then they have to be able to troubleshoot and have someone there for them. So, what do you see for the hope for the future with all that you're studying? through this fellowship that you're doing your thesis and where do you think things are heading? What's ideal? Where do we need to be? I There's about 25 other women in this group all over. Some are outside the U.S. We're working with nurses in Ireland okay. that have really, that have embedded the IDD curriculum into teaching. Like there's nurses that just go and learn um, about uh, the disability community and that's all they support. So they have, so we're trying to model this program. We're trying to make sure that um, if you're a doctor, if you're a pharmacist, if you're a dentist, if you're a nurse, you're getting the education you need to support um, young adults in the with disability in the hospital setting, in the community setting, and understand their unique needs and set up healthcare that meets them where they are. Right. All, all about, nothing about me without me. I think I said that. Nothing about me without me, I think is the new thing. Like they, okay. they and we have more self-advocates coming out and saying what they need. Like right. we have. Don't talk about group. me. Talk yeah, with I, me. I might've said that about wrong. Me. Right? I don't yeah, know. I, yeah. I know there's a catchphrase that if you're going to, if you're going to make these decisions, then I want to be a part of it. And I see that because Sam, he's super verbal, but he wasn't always. Right. At one time he was nonverbal. Right. He signed and used packs and then Throughout the years, even at nine compared to 12, compared to how you see him now, he could talk way more than I could and <laughs> hold a conversation. And But not everybody with a disability is that verbal, right? So right. we have to make sure all the people are supported wherever they are, however they're impacted. So even Sam can say what he needs, but he doesn't speak for all people with autism, right? right. He's just, everybody's voice needs to be heard. Exactly. So that's my hope is we're all doing, everyone's doing different projects. Some people are looking at curriculums. Some people are looking at supporting, having more support from the school nurses with families. Which was my next question or Which one of the I questions told, I, yeah. <laughs> is, is how are nurse, school nurses doing with our IDD population? I think they're getting better, but I think like everyone, they don't get, they don't get the education. I think it's a specialty and i think they see so many they see kids with diabetes and they see, they see kids with 
a school nurse, they're amazing. They amazing. see so many things. Yes. Like in a day, they have That's a bleeder, right. a vomiter, a, a physical, right? yes, yeah, somebody who's physically hurt, someone coming who's mental health. Like right. they have to have a hat that does it all. So I think right. we need more education and support. Yes. And really, I think school nurses need to be more involved in the IEP process. I don't know if we as special educators always include them as much as maybe didn't right. do speech, but they have a huge impact. They really do. They need to know the protocols that we have in place for our students we're supporting and serving. And we need to be able to have those conversations before an incident happens. And I totally agree with you. School nurses are so amazing and so knowledgeable, oh, knowledgeable and, and also overloaded. Right. Yes. Oh, yeah. there's not enough. Some no. schools share. Right. Some schools don't have any. And and they're really important because then you have if you do have an emergency, you might have the teacher or the staff in the in the office now trying to give meds or be that buffer person. And so school nurses are so important. And I really think they need the education just right. as much for behavior, for supporting, for understanding. And then to be that link because a lot of right. families I know I knew our school nurse really well and she has seen Sam through when elementary and then was his high school Jean yes. I don't want to say names right but Jean knows who we she love is Jean. love Jean and she was amazing yes. there were times Sam went to her just because he wanted to escape class and you have to be able to recognize that right. he escaping because something happened or well, does he a, really have a tummy Jean's a trusted adult mm -hmm. who is so compassionate and and available and mm -hmm. a great relationship and a part of the IEP team, right? Yeah. Very important role that she played. And so I totally agree with you. Having a student as young as possible coming to the IEP team, coming to the table, having their the school nurse there and all the other players. And I know time is we're stretched so thin. In, oh my God, in you guys are amazing. Trying to do find so in the time to do that. But when it happens, it's so powerful. And those are the things that really teach young our young adults, look, self-advocacy at the table to say what you want and need, not just in your education, but in your healthcare as well. Absolutely. And I think their role, especially, and I think parents really trust school nurse, not that they don't, they trust everyone, but I think school nurses too are very trustworthy and families tend to go to them for their information. So if they're loaded with really great information, they can help those families access social security or if they're having issues where they need um, OT or PT or supports outside of school. A lot of times they're the ones that know about or given the information about the ARC of Snohomish or right. King County, or I've always would send and I think I probably still send you stuff today of yes, community gatherings. And remember, we did the whole thing about Social Security where the school nurse, if they have the correct information and they have the correct support. Can write a letter to the Help them transition at yes. 18 or help them right. as you're going to be an adult now. And this is your health. Right. This is because health is just an important thing, too. And well, we so need to make personal sure. personal and people are so empowered when they have a good handle on people aren't doing something to me. I'm participating in my own healthcare decision and having the personal commit or the personal investment and then the agency to be able to make decisions for yourself. Absolutely. And I think that's one part that parents tend to take care of their children's healthcare for much for longer. We do, but I think the earlier we start people on that healthcare journey and understanding 
their own diagnosis, what that entails. If you have a seizure disorder, you would know about your meds. If you were a diabetic, you what do you need would, to eat? So exactly. That, you know, you How do you stay healthy? Stay Exercise. Right. Mental health is a big one. We need to talk about that and make sure people understand what they have or, or where to get help. And I don't think our kids always know that because there's always something else we're trying to do during the day, right? We're just trying to get through with with learning and there's so much coming at us all the time. And And that's one thing you can, you can control is your own health. Yes. Yeah. And that's empowering. Yes. Very much so. uh, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to come in. You have a wealth of information and knowledge and understanding experience and, and personal commitment. And, and I just love talking to you. Thank I'm you so glad that we have maintained today. this relationship and yeah. you've gotten to see Sam grow up and his amazing. friends and just that we're doing this and talking. This is amazing. So thank you again for having me. You're amazing. Thank you so much. A heartfelt thank you to our generous sponsors, specially designed education services, publishers of the Functional Academics Program. Please take a moment to learn more about the only true comprehensive functional academics program that enables students with moderate to severe disabilities to improve their ability to live independently and show meaningful growth both academically and personally while creating accountability with data-driven, evidence-based results. Visit sdesworks.com to learn more.